Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. According to a diplomatic source, Hamas is preventing civilians inside Gaza from leaving their homes when they are warned about an impending strike by the Israelis. I confirmed this with someone on the ground in Gaza City and then reached out to Hamas for comment. A senior Hamas official telling Fox News it's technically impossible. The initial information is good information and it is significant as we are getting reports today about the Israelis telling all of the northern Gazan population to leave because it appears a ground invasion is imminent. And that was several hours ago. I'm looking up at uh, the news right now, and it says Israeli tanks are on the move near the Gaza border. Now, they might just be repositioning, or they could be rolling in, but they warned overnight, get out of northern Gaza. It's beginning to get clear to me what the strategy Hamas is employing might be anyway. We were wondering whether they were trying to lure the Israeli military in for a street-to-street fight to inflict as much damage as possible, and there will be an element of that. I just think what they're trying to do is uh, get the Israelis to invade Gaza, kill as many uh, civilians as possible, make it look as horrible as possible to the outside world, and stimulate a pan-Arab attack on Israel. I think that's what they're trying to get. And the Hamas, the very top Hamas leadership that is uh, ordering this sort of thing, using the Palestinians as pawns to be killed. So you'll have images that could spark the war you're just mentioning. The very Mm -hmm. leadership Hamas, they're in in fancy hotels in, uh, where are they? Qatar. Qatar. And uh, did you see that floating around yesterday, their hotel bill that came out? No, I I didn't see that. They're living large. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. From yeah, a, uh, I have no doubt. Yeah, that's yeah, no doubt. But what about uh, on our shores? Well, uh, the ugliness has has long been going on. I almost said it began, but it's it's it began a while ago, um, which we'll get to in a minute. But uh, saw this headline that uh, yesterday afternoon during afternoon drive on Long Island Expressway, a couple of cars 
sporting Palestinian flags stopped all the traffic on the expressway and did a sideshow, essentially, if you know what that looks like, uh, skidding around and smoking the tires, flying the Palestinian flags, and stopping traffic for thousands and thousands of New Yorkers. As one commentator put it, this is to create intimidation, and it's just the beginning. Civil disobedience. We'll see where that goes, especially today, which has been declared by the founder of Hamas, a day of jihad. Matthew Continetti wrote, wrote a really good piece in the Free Beacon. It's under uh, hot links yesterday, I believe, at armstrongandgetty.com. But he goes into a number of the campus statements that we've all been discussing, whether George Washington University or Harvard or uh, the University of Virginia. The student association saying that the, the Israeli babies were at fault for their own beheadings, for instance, and, and the Israelis brought the rape upon themselves. And uh, Continetti makes the point that the behavior of university administrations is just as shocking as the students. They have either been mealy-mouthed or morally imbecilic. They've done everything they could to avoid the reality of Hamas's barbarism. They're, they are silent as their students celebrate terrorism. They are outraged if called to account for their moral corruption. They've built an environment where dissidents are heckled and harassed and even assaulted, where intellectual freedom is stifled, where racial separatism, political correctness, and gender ideology run rampant, where due process is violated, and where violence, as long as it is revolutionary, is glorified. Remember, speech is violence, but actual violence is just fine. And some of the reaction to that has been interesting. Uh, Israeli billionaire Eden Ofer has, and his wife, to have quit Harvard's board of directors and blasted the university's uh, president over the Hamas student letter. Uh, also, you have some major donors to major universities saying, close up your checkbooks. Don't support these lunatics. Right. So I thought that was uh, that was a positive step. Um, Larry Summers of Harvard, former president, you mentioned him, you quoted him the other day, saying, why can't we give reassurances that the university stands squarely against Hamas terror to frighten students when 35 groups of their fellow students appear to be blaming all violence on Israel? Which brings up the fact that, um, and a number of people have made this point, how in the hell can Jewish students feel safe on their campuses Today, especially when there have been open demonstrations saying stamp out the Jews. That's a decent Permitted point. by universities. So if you don't have an all-gender bathroom, that is violence against trans students, how could they feel safe at your school? But you can have pro-Palestinian, which is really pro-Hamas yeah. demonstrations. At this point, yeah. And uh, Jewish students are just supposed to say, ah, what are you going to do? Yeah. We'll, Imagine we'll, agree, going- we'll agree to disagree. Imagine going to the president of Harvard or New York University and saying, hey, we'd really like to have a Klan rally because we believe that we need to cleanse America of all the black people. Would that be okay? Uh, sure. Yeah. We're not even going to make a statement against you. That's that's fine. That's free speech. It would never, ever, ever happen. Uh, there's no way Jewish students can feel safe on these campuses. They're watching fellow students cheer and call for the mass murder of people like them, and most of the administrations are enabling and siding with the terrorist supporters. And then you have this, and I have, I have been a big fan of Ben Sass for a long damn time. He's now the president of the University of Florida. If I might, I'm going to read you his statement. I will not tiptoe around this simple fact. What Hamas did is evil, and there's no defense for terrorism. This shouldn't be hard. 
Sadly, too many people in elite academia have been so weakened by their moral confusion that when they see videos of raped women, hear of a beheaded baby, or learn of a grandmother murdered in her home, the first reaction of some is to provide context and try to blame the raped women, beheaded babies, or murdered grandmothers. In other grotesque cases, they express simple support for the terrorists. This thinking isn't just wrong, it's sickening. It's dehumanizing. It is beneath people called to educate our next generation of Americans. I'm thankful to say I haven't seen examples of that here at UF, either from our faculty or our student body. As for us, our educational mission here begins with the recognition and explicit acknowledgement of human dignity, the same human dignity that Hamas's terrorists openly scorn. Every single human life matters. We are committed to that truth. We will tell that truth. Then he says, in the coming days, it's possible that anti-Israel protests will come to UF's campus. I have told our police chief and administration that this university always has two foundational commitments. We'll protect our students and we will protect speech. This is always true. Our Constitution protects the rights of people to make abject idiots of themselves. But I also want to be clear about this. We will protect our Jewish students from violence. If anti-Israel protests come, we will be absolutely ready to act if anyone dares to escalate beyond peaceful protest. Speech is protected. Violence and vandalism are not. I'm grateful to have heard from so many of you. Like I said at the vigil last night, when evil raises its head, as it has in recent days, it is up to men and women of conscience and courage to draw strength from truth and commit ourselves to the work of building something better, to the work of pursuing justice and pursuing peace. That is what we aim to do through education, compassion, and truth here at the University of Florida. Halle freaking Luya. Ben Sass for king or president or something, or president of all universities for like a decade. What's interesting to me about these university types and their their attitude is how they don't seem to realize what outliers they are. I'm looking at USA Today. I think they think they're outliers because they're much more sophisticated than the rest of us. USA Today is pretty left-leaning, center-left, though, not like wackadoodle left. I mean, their headline front, uh, front, front of the top of the fold front page. Hamas feeds terror digitally and about how Hamas is using terror from land, sea, air, and online. You know, um, the people protesting at Harvard or writing those letters or whatever, they don't seem to see any terror of any kind happening. They're, they're, They're out of step with almost everyone. I mean, you're like a niche, fringe, extreme point of view. Yeah, and they, they believe they're so sophisticated in their knowledge and their theories and the rest of it. And what's freed them up, and, and it really does free you up, is they've divorced themselves completely from reality. From the realities of human life, of international relations, of government, the rest of it. Really frees them up to be better than us when they never have to come back down to Earth where we live. They can just float around with the unicorns, you know, halfway into outer space, spouting their crap theories and indoctrinating our kids into murderous rhetoric. Man, I hate them, and I don't hate anybody. I hate you. That's hate speech. You want some hate speech? I hate you, you academics. <laughs> I love it when you do the, <laughs> you want hate speech? I hate you routine. It's one of my favorites. It's, it's well, it's true. It's your who's on first. You want hate speech? <laughs> I hate you. I, there you go. There's some hate speech. Now you know how to recognize it. <laughs> Uh, we're going to talk to Mike Lyons coming up because the, the, the rolling into Gaza is probably going to happen here pretty soon. And man, you think there's protests now? Oof. It is going to be, it's going to get so, oh man, it's going to be hard to take. It's going to be hard to take over the next hours, days, weeks, months, or years. 
Yeah, and I'd bet on the latter. Yeah, depending on had, depending on how this turns out. Had an interesting medical experience yesterday. I'm trying to figure out how to present it in a way that will be helpful to people. You're going to feel a little pressure. Was it that one? <clears throat> no, no, that one's fine. <laughs> no, you kind of like mind. it. Eh, why don't you check again just to make sure anyway uh so yeah just again i'm gonna try to put it in an educational way uh very disappointing day medically speaking i'm fine i'll be fine but uh, i learned something and uh some economic news came out yesterday what is the fed gonna do with that probably raise interest rates again but anyway we can get into that too stay here More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I gotta tell you, I am personally looking forward to talking to Mike Lyons coming up next segment about the impending ground invasion of Gaza and a bunch of other things. So stay around. Yeah, Mike is not only a military analyst, he's a retired major for the United States Army, and he knows from combat. So yeah, that should be uh, worth hearing. We've got all sorts of good stuff to to talk about, including what I'm calling the Great Stagnation, Jack. Talking about the economic figures that are out now, and there are quite a few of them that are really interesting. That's also the title of my quickie book, No One Will Read, The Great Stagnation. But it has to do with various factors are causing people not to lose their home, to leave their homes, not to leave their jobs, not to move anywhere else. Just it's kind of hunker down time. You have to be in a really unique situation to want to sell your house. Yeah. 
really yeah. unique. I mean, as an if you're an oldster, you can't even downsize. Why no. would you bother? I mean, okay, we'll take half the house for the same payment so we don't have to clean as big a house. How about you get a maid instead or something? I don't know. But, yeah, it's a weird, weird time, real estate-wise, to say the least. Oh, speaking of oldsters, uh, as I've been saying lately to friends and, and, and those who listen to my drivel, uh, there's an old saying that war is how Americans learn geography. Well, age is how Americans learn physiology and or uh, anatomy. <laughs> Uh, I'm discovering the names of things I'd never heard of before because I've managed to to ruin them or or hurt them. But uh, I just I wanted to tell the story. I, I was very excited about a medical appointment, thinking clarity might come and a plan might be laid. Uh, and I'm going to tell the story in metaphor so as not to offend anyone. Although anybody with the least grasp of parables or metaphors will get it. There was a farmer, Jack. You're from farmers. You know from farms. There was a farmer whose field was getting eaten by something Locusts. all the time. His, his crops. His crops. The field wasn't getting eaten. That would be very strange. Indeed, it was the crop. Can I have a second take? There was a farmer whose crops were being eaten on a regular basis. Locusts. And he was looking around for someone who could help him with that problem. And several of his neighbors recommended this man who was a world-renowned mouse catcher. Oh, okay. And he thought, oh, okay, it might be mice. So he hires this world-renowned mouse catcher who brings his magical scope that allowed the farmer and the mouse catcher to see into the field and, and deep into the field even in the night when the crops were being eaten. Well, the farmer sat next to the mouse catcher, and they watched this magical scope, and uh, they saw a couple of mice, indeed. There's also a herd of wildebeests. There were 50 beavers and three of the neighbor farmers stealing from the farmer. At the end of watching the scope, the renowned mouse catcher says, Yep, it's mice. You got to kill the mice. Let's start killing the mice. And the farmer said, What about all that other stuff? And the farmer and the, uh, the uh, mouse catcher said, eh, I don't know. You go to a specialist, you're going to get what they know. So are you announcing you have crabs? Is that what you just said? I have crabs. What? (laughs) No. I was trying to follow this. (laughs) No. You go to somebody who's looking for one thing, they're going to see one thing. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I've said that many times with one specialist we have with uh, one of my kids that, that I always worry about the old saying of when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. It's like a specialist in one thing, and just uh, are we are we missing this other possibility? Yeah, yeah. So I got to do more digging. Hmm. Um, you, your experience actually uh, taught me most vividly that sometimes doctors are just completely wrong. Yeah, and, yeah. And to yeah. get a second opinion is not to be like a picky pain in the butt or mistrusting them. Not at all. You almost have to to protect yourself. Yeah, it's not as easy as it ought to be, or as people make it sound like, you should get a second opinion. Okay, now you got to try to convince the insurance that it's a good idea and find another person that's not three hours away, and et cetera, et cetera. But. Oh, that reminds me, we got this terrific email about your experiences recently in the ER. Mm. Uh, it's from an ER nurse. Uh, and yes, advice nurses always tell people to go the, to the ER for legal reasons. That is, we all, we all need to know that. That is, that, you talk about news you can use. We all need to know if you call the advice nurse, they're going to tell you to go to the ER because they have to for legal reasons. 
our, our correspondent writes, I, an ER nurse, have argued incessantly with them when they've tried to send me or my children to the ER only for them to relent for a prescription request or nausea for nausea or ear infection when I finally tell them, look, I'm an ER nurse. And the reason ER visits are so long, most people don't need to be there. Yeah. But when you go to the ER, you're going to be ruled out for an emergency, and we have to prioritize the sickest sure. get our attention first. Sure. Yeah, I think that first night I'd taken my son in with his arm because it turned blue and swollen and everything. I didn't have any. He had, what was I going to do? Wait till the next day and hope to get an appointment. But um, uh, the next night wasn't necessary. That was just a that was just a cover in your ass legal maneuver. Yeah, more urgent care centers. This nurse suggests, and I like that idea. Yeah, for a lot of stuff. Yeah, your kids coughing. They don't know, need to go to the ER. Take them to a doc in the box. Chances are very good they'll get taken care of. Of course, I might sure. get sued for this, so never mind. Send them to the ER. <laughs> for anything, for any problem, go to the ER. We'll talk to Mike Lyons about the impending ground invasion coming up. I hope you can stick around. Armstrong and Getty. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. People have just been told, leave by any means possible. There are just over 2 million people in the Gaza Strip. It is broken up into roughly two, two heavily populated areas, the north with Gaza City and then in the south. And what Israel has, has done, and Han Yunus in the south, and what Israel has said, everyone should leave the north 
evacuate Gaza City, evacuate an entire city of a million people and get in their cars, get in donkey carts, and there are still donkey carts in use in, in, in Gaza, and move south, moved uh, below the Wadi Gaza Valley. That's the biggest news overnight. Israel saying, hey, you in the north, move south. And I assume that means the ground war is about to start. Major Mike Lyons served the United States military in a number of capacities around the world. He is now a respected military analyst for CNN, among others. Mike, it's always a pleasure. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. Great to be with you. So I think it goes without saying that the fighting in Gaza when it does commence is going to be uh, difficult to watch and difficult to execute. What should we expect? Let's hope there's not a lot of video coming from it, frankly, if they've shut you know, down the Internet and everything coming, because it's going to be exactly that, you know, a concrete jungle. I, I'm still not quite sure this is as imminent as people think, only mm. because these defensive positions have been prepared. You know, this has been a long plan that they've had here, and I think Israel is going to still look to protect their force. That's going to be very important for them. So I don't know. I, you know, the thing is, you, you do you run all the traps on all the different courses of action that happen here. And th- is this the time that we're going to kind of change this cycle of what happens of war in the Middle East? And that is, they're gonna, Israel's going to win. They're going to go in there and they're going to flatten things and level things. They're going to kill thousands of civilians. And, and at some point, the West says enough's enough, and Israel's forced to stop. And Hamas goes, you know, back to their holes. And then in the next three or four years, they regroup and they do the same thing all over and over again. So. I personally think, though, Israel's had enough. And I think you heard their chief of staff say, it's time for war. So I think I don't think they're going to stop this time. I think there's a lot more things to go, and I think we're, just, we're at the beginning of the beginning, so to speak. So in other words, you think Israel, even with um, uh, lots of collateral damage, you, you said earlier this week it's going to be the worst mm-hmm. we've seen this century probably. With lots mm-hmm. of collateral damage, they're just going to keep going until they've wiped out Hamas. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, and, and, and they're going to they're gonna take over, likely they're going to cut the Gaza Strip in half, and they're going to occupy the northern portion of it, and they'll set up another border between north and the northern port of, of Gaza and the southern portion. And I mean, look, where are the Arab nations helping these Palestinian refugees? Where are they? Egypt has closed their border. They're pretty smart. We should be that smart, close our border, right? They're, they're not letting these people into their country. Why? Because they know they would come in and disrupt what's going on there. No other Arab countries are taking these refugees. Israel needs an ally. They don't have anybody on, on the Arab side to do this. And here's the United States now, and, and I still look to the north. There's a Washington Post as an article that says the United States intelligence agency thinks that a war in the north is unlikely, which is code for it's likely, right? I mean, those guys have not been very good at predicting what's actually going to happen. And if you're Hezbollah, you're looking at Israel saying, you know, you guys are overstretched right now. If you're going to commit all these forces to the south, i got to think they're not going to put 300 forces, 300,000 soldiers down there. That just doesn't make any sense. Um, but now now's the time Israel is vulnerable. So if it's time for war, Hezbollah could say, you know what, let's go. Here we go. So they, they're marched to Tel Aviv on, on their, from the north, and now Israel's got this two-front war. So, and then what does the U.S. do? Does the U.S. then go after? Are we in it now, too? Or are we going to start attacking from there? So I, there's so many tipping points still to happen here. Well, I have a quick observation, then a question on that tack. Uh, I saw compare and contrast the gates, the security apparatus uh, of the gate out of Gaza into Egypt contrasted with that into Israel. And the one in Egypt is much more secure and fortified. The Egyptians yeah. are serious about not letting Hamas guys into their country, no matter what it takes. So as usual, the Arab world yells and beats their chest and does nothing for the Palestinians. But I was going to observe that the Biden administration, well, the, the United States military is 
moving various hardware from uh, ships to planes uh, much closer in the region. Is that uh, mere gesturing, Mike, or might we use that hardware? Well, the hardware is right now is going to be air support. We're not, we won't put troops on the ground, but um, you know we've got that Navy, uh, the the carrier group that's there. There's a lot of combat power that's there. I think that's what we would do if something does come from the north uh, to protect Israel, and and then does it open up uh, an avenue to attack into Iran? I think you know Israel is not going to let Iran get away with this anymore. I think they're going to go after their their capability to manufacture oil and, and petroleum and, and drill, and then as well as they're going after those their nuclear capabilities. It, it, it's just a matter of time. They did it in Iraq. They did it in Syria. And the second, I think we've talked about, the second they know that they have that capability, um, they're going to go after it. I mean, and he, all these, everything has been done in the past to kick the can down the road. I think the can is here now. Mm. I, I think this might happen. I think it's right. I think we're ready to go. So, given all that and where this is likely headed, why wouldn't now be the best time for China to move on Taiwan that's ever going to come? Uh, w- mm-hmm. With us I- as involved as we are with supplying Ukraine, and we might actually be involved in this situation in the Middle East, and a, and a senile old president, my words, not yours. Yeah, could be. it could be that as well. It depends on what they're looking at. I mean, they still want shipping lanes open. You know, they're, they're, they've got their own internal problems themselves. And all these countries now that are aggressive countries are making these calculated risks as to what they should do. I mean, like I said, the, the Lebanon, Hezbollah in the north, the Chinese into Taiwan. Russia already made their commitment last year. They thought it would be over by now. They thought they'd be, you know, having coffee in, in uh, Kiev by now, but that just has, hasn't happened. So, you know, these are the decisions that countries make when they go to war as an extension of foreign policy, right? Because that's really what this is. When, when Israel said we're going to war, everything's changed. That, you know, that means that, they're, that there's an extension of foreign policy. They're going to use their military to accomplish what they, what they want to do. And then the second word I think we talked about is siege. The word siege means pretty clear things to a military guy. It means everything's going. Mike Lyons, military analyst on the line. Mike, uh, back to the, the Middle East. What should we know about the capability of the Hezbollah forces or Lebanon? Uh, is the Lebanese government in bed with Hezbollah? Are they uh, frenemies? How does that all work? Yes, I, they, they've got more capability than Hamas does, more um, anti-tank, more um, fighters, more experienced fighters. I think it potentially draws the Syrian military, whatever's left of that, into this. I think Damascus becomes a target. I think Assad is going to be targeted then, too. Um, it's back. It's literally 1973. It's just 50 years later. Um, can, can gets kicked down the road. I, I think that um, uh, they've got more capability, and they, that's why Israel cannot sleep. And I know there's somebody in the room there saying that to Bibi Netanyahu, is that if we're going to put 100,000, if we're going to put 100,000 troops or 200,000 troops in the south, we've got to put another couple hundred thousand up north because that, that, that really could go fast. Uh, and it would be the same, literally the same thing that happened back in 73. They'd get to the Golan Heights, and then just because of poor military uh, operations on the other side, uh, they won. That wouldn't happen now. Hamas has got much better military fighters, much more capability than it was in 1973. Do we have the ability to continue to... Uh, supply Ukraine the way we are and promise Israel that their Iron Dome won't run short and all these different things. Can we do all that? Yeah, it's funny you said two different weapon systems, right? Uh, the Ukraine military needs 155 ammunition, which we've pretty much in the last year now 
increased our capacity to manufacture that. Still not to where they need it. We still aren't getting it from a lot of different places, but that's what they need, 155 rounds. Israel is going to need small arms fire, 7.62 rounds, as well as the Tamir rockets. Those are made by Raytheon here. Um, they still have about thirty to 35,000 rockets inside of the Gaza Strip someplace. So that's what the military is going after right now, but they still have capacity. And here it is day six, and Hamas is still firing rockets into Israel. It shows you they have capability. Um, and that, and that, so what Israel needs is those Tamir rockets. Mike Lyons, uh, I think the quote of the interview, Mike, is we're at the beginning of the beginning. So we yeah. sure appreciate the thoughts and the uh, the perspective. Good to talk to you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Have a good weekend. That is yep. amazing. Yeah, that, that Hamas is still firing rockets at Israel, that they have that many. They shot 4,000 in the first day, and I don't know how many thousand it is now, but how do they have that supply? Well, Iran. Well, and the video now is is going around like crazy of them digging up the water pipes to turn them into missiles and missile launchers, <clears throat> and then we're going to hear, oh, the civilians have no water; they have no water. Right. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the most shocking thing I thought Mike said during that interview. Right after this, a quick word from our friends at My Pillow. They introduced the My Pillow twenty years ago. It had everything you could want in a pillow. Well, they've tweaked that original pillow by using a new technology. The My Pillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of their original my pillow but now has fabric that is made with temperature rela- regulating thread oh it's soft smooth and cool just like me the regular price for a queen size my pillow 2.0 is 79.98 but for a limited time you can get it for 39.99 with the promo code getty a king size pillow is just 10 bucks more yep pretty good deal in the my pillow 2.0 made with temperature regulating technology 100 percent made in america like we should make all of our armaments uh the pillow comes with a 10-year warranty 60-day money-back guarantee so just go to mypillow.com click on the radio listener special square and use the code getty g-e-t-t-y to get the queen size 2.0 for 39.99 the king size just 10 bucks more again mypillow.com radio listener special square and remember that code getty g-e-t-t-y so I threw out one of my harebrained scenarios to Mike that he usually swats down with his expertise and knowledge. And I was kind of expecting that with the whole, why isn't this the best time China's ever going to get to move on Taiwan? And he was kind of like, yeah, probably is. So I, was, I wasn't expecting that. Man, well, you, I, I mean, we're, we, we would be into a, we're, we're, we're August 1914 at that point. I mean, it's just, whew. Yeah, you just you are referring, of course, to the run up to World War One, where existing allegiances and, uh, you know, drew everybody into the fracas, whether they wanted to or not. And every every old grievance that you had, you've always wanted to fix. Now's the time. (sighs) Wow. I got some high school teachers I want to call up. We're talking that far back or what? I don't know about individuals. Yeah. Oh, calling ex girlfriends or whatnot. I don't know. Yeah, necessarily. I was good to you. Um, I came across an absolutely fabulously thorough yet brief and followable history of that region of the world. The idea that the Israelis stole the land, their colonializers, right. is so. Hey, I almost used a certain letter, folks, that often denotes a certain uh, word that we don't use in polite company. That is so blanking, stupid, and ignorant, we need to invent new words for how stupid and ignorant it is. How about we promise that to kick off Hour 3? What would you think of that? 
Or is that no, I we think that's Bremer? excellent. We have Ian Bremmer in kickoff hour. Yeah, too. we won't be doing that then. Well, Another of your harebrained schemes. <laughs> I'm looking forward to talking to Ian Bremmer. We'll do um, it during hour three of the show, though, for sure. Yeah, so we got a number of things to talk about. Uh, there's no point to the Major League Baseball regular season, as we'll point out when we come back, among other things. Armstrong and Getty. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. 
I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. And the left-handers, one, two. Swing and a miss. He got yes! him. Phillies come racing out of the dugout as Matt Strong has saved it. And the Phillies have beaten the Braves in the division series for the second year in a row. So the Braves, the Atlanta Braves, this is a Major League Baseball playoffs going on right now. This is your first round when it's just best of five. The Atlanta Braves, who had the best record in baseball, out. The Dodgers, who had the second best record or third best record, out. And then the other best record. The three, the only three teams that won 100 games or more, all out in the best of five round. What's the point of the regular season? <laughs> to give you an excuse to watch baseball and drink beer and eat hot dogs. <laughs> to sell hot dogs. That's exactly. the point of the regular season. Yeah, it's sausage sales, essentially. I love this headline from the Babylon Bee. Dodgers fans, brace yourselves. After being swept by the Diamondbacks in humiliating fashion, the L.A. Dodgers were left wondering if perhaps they ought to have spent more time practicing baseball and less time honoring satanic nuns dressed in drag. Ooh. During the offseason, the Dodgers management will be looking at what went wrong in yet another disappointing postseason. Everything will be under the microscope, whether they should have acquired better starting pitching at the trade deadline, why the bats went cold in October, and whether perhaps promoting heretical Satan worship in front of families at Dodger Stadium this year caused the wrath of God to fall upon them. Said manager Dave Roberts in a somber post-game press conference, maybe we should have spent more time training our starting pitchers not to give up four bombs in an inning and less time honoring Satan. <laughs> he shook his head and shrugged, but that's the benefit of hindsight, I guess. 
asked one reporter, what was your approach to this series and what went wrong? Yeah, uh, right. Our main strategy for the year was, you know, to worship Satan and honor perverted drag queen nuns. It didn't end up paying off, you know, but we stand by our strategy. As the old saying goes, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and sometimes you get swept by the 84-win Diamondbacks after you honor blasphemous drag queens who spit upon the Catholic faith. That's just baseball. (laughs) (laughs) I like that in a number of different ways. I didn't realize the Diamondbacks only won 84 games and swept the Dodgers. 84 games is a pretty good season, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How about that? How the mighty are falling in baseball. Um, so we're going to talk to Ian Bremmer to kick off Hour 3. I thought I heard this yesterday, and I thought that can't be true. President Macron of France did come out and say no pro-Palestinian demonstrations. Yeah, they can they can do that in France. They can just outlaw certain demonstration in their points of view. Yeah, for better or worse, the euros are super soft on uh, freedom of speech. But my understanding was a bunch of uh, people said, yeah, go to hell and came out and demonstrated in favor of the terrorists anyway. And were tear gassed like crazy by Paris Mm -hmm. police because it was an illegal rally. The New York Post Post points out that France is home to Europe's largest Muslim and Jewish communities. Yeah, well, that is going to be an ugly scene in France and a couple of other European cities, too. It's absolutely uh, inevitable. Nobody has the, the guts or the gall or whatever you need to discuss that this is a religious thing. Right. To a large extent. I mean, you can talk about territory and who took what and who has the right to what and who built what wall and the rest of it. Have you noticed many Muslim folks saying, hey, Israel has the right to defend themselves? Have you seen many Jews say, you know, the, the opposite? No, not really. Well, do you, do you see many uh, out of the Palestinian side or the protesters say Israel even has the right to exist? No, almost never. Macron said there is no yes, but... Those who confuse the Palestinian cause with the justification of terrorism are making a moral, political, and strategic mistake, which I agree with. But Well, that's something. And this is before the videos and pictures start coming out of Gaza of lots and lots of dead Palestinians. This so reminds me of a number of the discussions from the early 2000s about whether uh, the Muslim world, or <clears throat> I'm sorry, let me put it to you this way. To what extent the Muslim world and the non-Muslim world can intermingle and live in peace? So whenever there's a big story like this, we always point out that the other stories do not stop. They keep going. You just, they just don't get as much attention. For instance, the presidential race, which if you didn't have this going on, we'd be, be talking about practically every single day. Well, some new polling came out yesterday. Now that RFK Jr. has jumped in to the race. And uh, he's he sucks off quite a few votes. It's a little hard to tell right now who he sucks them off from the most, but he is going to suck suck up a number of, of number of votes. Can we use siphon or draw away as opposed to that charming phrase you were using repeatedly? <laughs> I suppose you're right. Back to Cal Unicornia, a story we need to get to with crime, drug abuse, smash and grab robberies, and homeless vagrants taking over California's once beautiful cities. Governor Gavin Newsom attacked his number one priority. He banned Skittles. Junkies, yes. Skittles, no, in Cal Unicornia. That was because of some chemical that's in 
Certain Allegedly. candies. Yeah. yeah, some cancer-causing additive if you drink 50 gallons of it. Back to the poll. This is a Fox poll, and I found the actual numbers here. It shows RFK Jr. at 16% in, hmm. a, in a three-way presidential race. So it would be Biden 41, Trump 41, RFK Jr. 16, Cornell West 9, if you throw him in. With all due respect to Cornell West, if those first three guys indeed end up being the leading candidates for president, I will renounce my citizenship and move. I will hold a contest. If are you a foreigner? Do you live in some foreign land? We'll hold it. We will draw at random for what country I will move to. If it's Biden, Trump, RFK Jr. Yes, that's correct. No that offense is, to fans of any of the three. That is interesting, isn't it? That's one word for it. Being attacked by a shark is interesting, too. And all the people on the text line who seem to think you have mice inside you, based on your (laughs) allegory from last... It's it's a parable. What's the matter with you people? Ian Bremmer next. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 